Hello, uh, thank you for joining another Primary Education Voice. I just wanted to jump in before the music begins to give a very special announcement. Primary Education Voices, the book, Teachers Inspiring Teachers, is going to be available in all good bookstores on the 27th of October, 2023. You can uh, pre-order in a number of places now. Uh, so please, whilst you're listening to the podcast or when you've driven, uh, pulled over from driving, please do uh, pre-order the, the book. Uh, it's, got, it's got a number of wonderful um, pieces of uh, writing from contributors from previous guests on the podcast, diving a bit, well, a lot more in depth into some aspects of what they shared on the podcast, but with more colour, more depth, uh, and some resources and materials on the, in there as well as well as some space for you to reflect on what they share in there too. We cover a wide range of topics from developing the right culture and ethos in your school or classroom to considering how your curriculum can become more rich and inclusive to looking after your own well-being and vitality in this role of, a, of being a primary educator in whatever role and capacity you have. Uh, this is just an exciting uh, development uh, for the podcast and so please do um get the book, leave a review and share it uh, with anyone who you know would be interested. It'd be great. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome back to the Primary Education Voices podcast, the podcast dedicated to the exciting world of primary education with me, your host, Matt Roberts. Thank you for joining us once again for another episode of this podcast. We'll be interviewing a special guest who works in a primary setting and be finding out what inspires them and asking for their top tips, resources and philosophies that they are passionate about in this wonderful profession. Thank you so much for joining us once again today uh, for this podcast as we continue on through a brand new school year uh, in September. Uh, today, we had the privilege and opportunity Opportunity to sit down with uh, old primary head, as he's known on Twitter. You might well know him very well as that, or, or otherwise known as Brian Walton. Uh, Brian has been a head teacher for around 20 years now. He's been in primary education for almost 30 years. So wonderful experience that he brings to this podcast. And he has a new book that has come out uh, called Lessons from the Head's Office, uh, which was released in July 2023. Uh, and so, you know, he shares about his passionate, uh, what he's passionate about from a collection of things that he's shared in that book. Uh, and of course, uh, if you want to find out more about his views and insights um, from his extensive experience in primary education, then please do uh, get a copy of that book. It is a fantastic read. And so uh, I really appreciate Brian coming onto the podcast today. So all that's left for me to say is to sit back, relax and enjoy the episode that we had with Brian Walton. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Brian Walton. How are you doing today, Brian? Good, yeah, nice sunny day, so so lovely. Yeah, well, We've picked the hottest day of the year to record. <laughs> we are we're in our enclosed rooms trying to sweat it out, but we'll, we'll do a great job here, I'm sure, today. Uh, thanks for joining us, Brian. First of all, we'll start with our quick fire questions, as we do with all of our guests. So first of all, what is your Twitter handle? Um, it's old primary head one. Perfect. Which I I've never, I never worked out why I didn't just call it old primary head because I've never seen another old primary head, but old primary head one. Perfect. That's great. So people know where to find you. That's brilliant. How many years have you been in primary education, Brian? Oh, um, nearly thirty now. Um, I've been a head for twenty years this year, um, and I did eight years as a teacher before I got a headship. So, um, yeah, twenty-eight years, twenty-nine years. 
Lovely. And uh, in that, well, you've kind of partly answered this ref question already, but just a bit more detail. What's been your primary journey so far within those within those years? So what, started, what kind of uh, roles and responsibilities have you had? Sorry. Yeah, I started a teacher in South Bristol in a, a, a state called Withywood, which if anybody in Bristol will, will know, is, uh, and I had an amazing four years there in my first four years. I then moved to London because my wife got a job uh, in London. So, and I worked in Tower Hamlets. That's where I became a deputy head and a head. Um, I then moved back to Bristol and I was a head in Bristol and became a national leader and a local leader and supported a lot of schools around Bristol. And currently I am a head teacher in Somerset, not too far from Glastonbury. Fantastic. Lovely. Thank you for that. Um, what is your favourite subject and why? Oh, my favourite subject. I, I, I think... Um, the, the one that I struggled most with at school, I mean, I left school with no qualifications at all, um, but it's, it's English, hands down now. Um, you know, having written a book recently, which was a, a, a you know, a, a, a challenge, um, but I write a lot of fantasy as well, even though I've written a fictional book. Uh, and, I, and I just love reading. So for, for me, it's, it's English. It's such an important subject. I love a bit of history as well, though. Fantastic. Uh, and then in your own education, Brian, if you uh, do you have a favourite te- or did you have a favourite teacher and why were they your favourite teacher? Well, I, I had a pretty disastrous education. I, I was a serial truant. I left uh, secondary school at the, the last year of CSEs with nothing. You you in English, you you in maths. Um, so for, for me, it's, it's part part of my, my story. I, I then met my wife when she was doing A-levels and I realised that I was going nowhere and she was going somewhere. And I got onto an access course at Bridgewater College then in Somerset. And um, I was being interviewed at that time. I, I, I ran a record shop when I left school um, and kind of started a record shop and it was failing because it was just as a recession, CDs coming. I brought loads of vinyl and then CDs came in. It was a classic example of I'm not doing the research uh, well enough. And um, I went for this interview for, to get onto an access course, which was a thing in the kind of uh, 90s um, that allowed people with life experience, but no qualifications to get to university. Um, and the Bachelor of Educa- uh, the Bachelor of um, Arts people laughed me out of the room. They interviewed me and I think they asked me something along the lines of, what was the last book you read? And I, th- I, th- I think I said, oh, I just read The Hobbit. And they just thought I was hysterical. And they laughed and just said, this, this won't be for you. Um, and as I left, literally, it's a real sliding doors moment. And the reason I'm in education, um, I had no idea what I was going to do. Um, I kind of closed the door behind me in the, in the corridor, the door opposite opened. And a lady called Leslie, who was um, the access facilitator for the um, the access course into the Bachelor of um, Education, uh, looked at me and said, oh, are you here for the interview for Bachelor of Education? And I went, oh, no, no. She goes, would you like to be? Mm-hmm. I went, oh, OK. And I'd never even thought of a tea. It was just... Was, just the furthest thing from my mind, having such a bad education myself. And she talked me into to taking this access course, which I took. And um, I, it was a really interesting experience because I was failing at the then GCSE English. I was getting D's and E's, um, but I was getting A's in the A-level, <laughs> you know, which is just fascinating. Um and basically, I remember there was a, there was another teacher there, and I, I forget his name, and I wish I remembered his name. Uh, now. And he was a GCSE, and he said, "Look, if you get um, you don't you don't get at least a C in the last module that I give you, I will be failing you for this access course." And that would stop me getting to uh, the University of West of England to do a four year B.Ed. Hmm. Um, and 
I, it was of mice and men, and I, I, I was a really hard worker. It's when a grafter, so I, I worked really hard at it. But my grammar, my spelling, my handwriting was just atrocious at this time. Um, and when I handed it in, he gave me a D minus. But it was about four days before the deadline, um, and he had left all his marking on it. So I took it away, <laughs> rewrote it with all his corrections, and I got a B plus, and hey. that got me to got me into the bachelor. Uh, I got me into the B ed uni, and we're we're at the end of the four years. I was up for a tribunal because I was just just missed out by a mark for a first class degree. Hmm. So you know it was it, it all turned out well in the end. I didn't care at that point because I'd got the job at um, in in South Bristol. I'd already got my first teaching job, so I was I, was, I didn't push it, but. Uh, um, yeah, so that's good. Yeah, that's how it all started, really. Yeah, that's fascinating. Uh, I think um, one of the questions we like to dive into to begin is is how did you get involved? And it sounds like it was kind of a kind of happenstance. It was just kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll go into this. It was, it was a sliding doors moment. I have no idea. You know, my career has been. I, I, I've loved every second of teaching, even the, the awful, terrible moments. You know, and I talk a lot in the book uh, about the stresses and the well being aspect and it is as a head teacher for 20 years there are moments of stress that's so intense it's hard to breathe you know mm. um but i don't you know what, what, what an incredible opportunity in life and what a great choice absolutely Can't imagine me um having done anything else well that's i want to kind of dig a bit deeper with that so obviously that's how you got into primary education but what i'd love to know then in that case is you know after 30 odd years you're still here so what for you has kept you in primary education what's made you keep that spark alive you think um i just opportunities there's a lot of opportunity in in education you know i started off as a classroom teacher i couldn't believe my luck because you know at this point um i was likely to be on the dole at one point you know as far as my secondary school was concerned that's where i would have ended up um I was always a hard worker my family were, were hard workers so you know they expected me to work in the industrial state behind the council estate I was born up uh, I was brought up on um you know my mum had you know my, my dad was a hard shift worker would, would work long shifts uh, my mum had three or four jobs when I grew up she would clean the toilets and the seat front um you know she was a cleaner in schools uh, all those kind of jobs um so they were always working so I always knew that I'd, I'd work hard at something but I never thought I'd go down an academic type type, type uh, route so but once it was really interesting because when I did the four-year B.Ed it was back in the 90s where you didn't really do a lot of teaching you were in schools a lot particularly and it wasn't until my third year of the B.Ed that I started to be in schools um, and it kind of terrified me at first, this idea of taking a class and being responsible. But once I started doing it, I, I, just, I just loved the fact that I'd worked in factories before where I'd be looking at my watch and it was like 10 o'clock and I'd felt like I'd been eight hours. I, I made doors. I used to put doors together in a kind of clamp and I'd have to glue all the parts and the pistons would go and shh wait there take it out and I'd just do that for, from eight o'clock to five o'clock um, I did it for about six months and then after you start working in schools and by about 10 o'clock like 50 different interesting things have either been said done happened you know and it, and it just it just immediately grabbed me and made me think what you know and I can remember the first year after I did my first year, and it, it, it went really, really well. I worked in a, a wonderful school, 
really challenging. You know, we it's still I think even now got the highest pupil premium um, in in Bristol. I think it's around seventy eight percent pupil premium. Is it's a score that I, that I love to death, and I, I kind of wanted it to be my first headship, but but I decided not to because I wouldn't have been ready in my first headship for the school. Um, but uh, yeah, I did four years at that school and, and then, then went to Tower Hamlets and uh, worked just off Brick Lane, a lovely little junior school um, outside there. And I just, I, you know, I did eight years of teach as a class teacher, which isn't particularly a long time, really. Um, and then headship, again, opportunity, sliding doors moment happened. Um, and it was kind of like, you know, you either did it or you, you walked away. It was the, you know... Uh, um, and I decided to take the opportunity that was offered me, and I've never looked back really. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Well, like, and like you say, one of the great things about primary education is that we go in and de- like in the first few hours, a million things have happened which have made us laugh and have really like just made us uh, so engaged. And the children, whether it's whether it's staff, you know, there's so many things that happen in our time in primary schools. So I just wondered, Brian, if you had a quick story you could share with us, a funny story from being in primary education. <laughs> yeah, I won't. So many of them, I just thought they're funny. They're very funny, but they're so inappropriate. Um, certainly, one involving a parent. Um, and I just couldn't tell. Them. <laughs> but um, you know, uh, the, the the one that still grabs me, and it shows the incredible kindness of children. But but the awkwardness is all around gifts that you get. Mm. Um, you know, and teachers could. I've had two unbelievable. I once had a, a knitted willy warmer from a parent, which is the most unapp- inappropriate thing you could imagine. You know, and as a head teacher now, I think I'd probably go in down the safeguarding line. The whole of that. But but I remember one, um, and I it, it, it happened at the end of the day, and it was uh, just just before Christmas, and I can remember all day thinking, what is that awful smell in the classroom? I mean, it, and I just couldn't trace it, and it was just strong, really, really strong, um, and it got worse as the day went on, um, and <laughs> at the end of the day, this child kind of came up to me. Um, with, with kind of a new a, a kind of decomposing slimy newspaper wrapped thing and handed it over to me it was cold and he got me a fish oh. <laughs> fishing but the smell was already telling me you know straight away and you know just thank you very much that is so lovely thank you oh, I love fish um, but, you know, just as I can listen. I've always had this thing that anything that a child has ever made me I never eat uh, because it's just that I think that was the first moment I was like no I'm not gonna do that <laughs> but yeah it's it, it, you know yeah children this, it's the things that the children say and do but yeah, I, I, I still, it was interesting because I got this review from um, Ed Finch yesterday and he was talking about how hard my book is about headship and, and how so I, I paint it as being a terribly, you know, and it could put a lot of new people off. And I'll stand by the fact that, yeah, you do need to face up to the fact that it can be extremely hard. Um, but but at the same time, he also recognised I still love the job. And yeah, I do. Mm, you know, actually, absolutely, yeah. It's been a tough career in lots of ways. It's a really challenging thing that happened in my career. But um but but I love it. I love it to be CGA.
That's brilliant. And that leads us really nicely <clears throat> onto our primary three. And so for, before we dive in, any new listeners who have joined us, the primary three is the main focus of our podcast. It's three things about primary education that the guest is passionate about. It could be top tips, resources, philosophies, absolutely anything uh, that they think. When they're asked, what are the most important things about primary education? They pick the, the top three that comes to their mind first. So thank you for sending me yours ahead of time, uh, Brian. So the first one links in really nicely to what you were just saying, because it's uh, a chapter in your book. Uh, and so it's going to have a great chat uh, about this and what you mean by it. Uh, and that is called not getting caught up in what you call leadership. So I'll let you uh, explain what you mean by that, first of all, and we'll get yeah, into the discussion. It was, a, it was a phrase that um, me and uh, um, uh, my, my friend, uh, the primary head, um, came up with. We were, do, we were asked to do a, um, a talk at Primary Rocks, which later we did, we did twice. We did it one year, and then they asked us to come back and do it as their keynote. And I'm not sure we, you know, I think we did have leadership in the first one. We did in, in any, and it went down. Uh, and basically, we we, we 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 were trying to explore what, what it was to be an authentic leader in a school, you know, and how, you know, you, you, you start as a teacher, nearly most head teachers now, was, you know, gone through that process. How do you keep that authenticity um, in what you do? And then we started to realise that the reason you became inauthentic is you got caught up as leaders in what we describe as leadership, which is all the things that stop you doing your core purpose. It happens to teachers as well. You know, you, you go in in a day and you think, right, I'm going to get X, Y and Z done because these are the things that need to get done. And then what happens is leadership. So it's the complaint that comes in about the colour of the gravy. You know, it's... Um, it's those aspects that that really don't move the school forward or your objectives forward or get you anywhere. And they can sometimes lead you down to really negative, dangerous places. Um, and so I spend my career of trying to avoid it, foresee it, step over it and not got, not get caught up in it. Um, you know, and, and, it, and it comes in many, many forms. It, you create it yourself. You create work. It's a little bit like my second one, really. Um, and the, the two kind of work hand in hand, where in education, we there are so many things that can go on that you can quickly lose focus on what is the primary thing you're doing. And um, head teachers caught up in leadership are quite dangerous people because they're the leader and they can then spread it around to the rest of the school and suddenly everybody's following down something they've they, you know they've been to a conference and someone's talked about something and they think great we'll bring that into our school without the contextual ideas and suddenly everybody's in leadership you know because it's just it's just an awful kind of a position to be in so yeah that's definitely my, my kind of yeah my primary one um, I spend a lot of my time thinking all right and you know it's it's all it, it, it ties into to, to many things um I, I I love it when I see some of it we don't I don't really follow the the kind of the Twitter I still call it Twitter but the the x arguments mm. um as much but so often they're they're centrally around things that don't really matter quite often mm. they're just this is how I feel you can do it my experience is that if you know what you're doing and you know why you do it, it, it doesn't matter whether people think it's right and wrong. You'll make it work. That's why I get really I get really annoyed when people criticise schools for doing things differently. I, I I would never do that. I would never criticise a McKenna because 
you know, if you know what you're doing, you're successful in that, and it's working in your context, then no one has the right, really, to tell you whether it's working or it's not working. Um, and again, that's leadership, you know, and, and I've seen it so often where leaders use things as excuses to punish others or to make people do things differently to how, how they want to do. So it's developed over the years. I think Tim's taken it a slightly different way himself as well but it's just that phrase mm. you know we, we, we yeah we liked I, I can remember the moment we came up with it actually we were just kind of trying to plan around and uh, we did it in a kind of a, a, a kind of a, um like a, when we did the present uh, the, the, the the talks we did it in kind of like a quiz show sort of way you know what was leadership it was like a leadership bingo um all the kind of things that, that, that can happen so it's just a phrase really that, that, that I use often um obviously not around uh children and not often around staff really but i know when i'm caught up in it um and therefore it allows me to have this little kind of light to go on the back of my head to say well i don't need to bother with this this will go away yeah this angry mob of parents on facebook all complaining about the fact that you know i've asked everybody to do x or y or i'm not allowing i'm not allowing juice in the water or anything like that they're all going for it it's just leadership it'll blow over you mm. know it'll be gone no i'm glad you said that because i think well i think obviously the the principle of this is so key and for school for teachers and leaders alike it can be so applicable to them but actually having that phrase of leadership and kind of trying to understand what that is it can be so like you said a light bulb at the back of your head when you know in the midst of all the things that go on in schools um you know we can easily get caught up in all these things that happen you know having that little reminder in the back of your head of is this something that i need to be worrying about or fretting about or is it something that you know i can deal with and then move on from and it and it will it will be fine i think that's such a really key point yeah and the problem with it is it doesn't necessarily go away you can't always ignore it you know that those emails that come in and their complaints about ridiculous things that really don't matter. I've, I've had two this week. Um, you know, and one of them when I first saw, oh, crud, you know, this is about core curriculum offer, and they're trying to. I, I don't want to go into it, obviously, for, for, the, for the, the the nature of this. It is a live one, but it, straight away after I started dealing with it, I thought actually this is just leadership. I don't have to worry about this. I'm actually doing what we need to do. I'm doing the statutory part. This is just, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. It's quite an important thing. I quite like, I wish we had the resources and the time and energy to be able to do what you want here, mm. but but we can't. But we are doing the statutory part. Um, and it's, yeah, and it's going back to to, to what's important um, often. You know, t- teachers start, it starts with teaching. You know, when you first start with, you, you'll get parental complaints, parental demands, that that's that's just leadership that, you know and the danger of it is if you always appease it if you always try to deal with it then you usually just open yourself up for more of it yeah. so quite often like making tough decisions saying no no i'm not going to do that mm-hmm. and this is why um yeah it's about the decisions we make uh, often i mean I, I go into a lot more depth um it's not quite a philosophy yet but in the in the book I kind of explain it in more depth and uh, uh, and give examples of it, uh, real examples, <laughs> quite hysterical. But often, um, the colour of the grey one wasn't mine. Actually, it was a it was a, a colleague's 
Um, but I remember, some, you know, <laughs> it's, it's fine. The gravy's fine. It's just that it's the wrong colour. <laughs> what do you even mean by that? You know, is it pink? What, what, what colour is, you know, and, and it's why am I writing reams and reams of well thought through researched and evidenced replies to this that are only going to then become a ping pong of dialogue? Why am I doing that? Because <laughs> I, can, you know, uh, and so it's a tough one because you, 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 You've got to respond to it. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, and what it's done over the years is I now write emails that are efficient. <laughs> they don't go in, they, I, I look at the, the least number of possible, well, if I put that in, no, they could then then go say, but you said, right. So here's the reply. It's four sentences long and it tells you at the end of it, this is, that's the end of it. There's a complaints procedure if you want to go further. Yeah. Go, go. And I think, like like you say, like if you're not focusing your time and efforts and exerting all that energy dealing with those things and actually focusing where it needs to be, your efforts where it needs to be, actually further leadership that could take place doesn't take place yeah. because you've done you've dealt with the right stuff, the stuff that needs uh, to be dealt with. Yeah, and I imagine teachers feel it all the time. You know, I, I and I see it. Not, it's not so I don't create it just because I, you know I, I talk about it. But you know that idea that as a teacher you think, well, this is what I want. I've got a class of children. Mm. I, I kind of, after kind of the, this term, I'll work out where they more or less all are in the subjects. I know what I've got to do to move them forward. And then this thing comes in that's going to now stop me from doing all of that because I now have to every Thursday afternoon do cooking with this program that was just come in and we knew nothing, you know, whatever it is. I remember I've done some terrible things. I remember once I brought um, a monitoring system into the school where everyone had to film themselves teaching and watch them stuff teaching. What a waste of time, you know, absolute waste of time. You know, now it's about conversations around teaching. It's a bit like leadership, classic example, leadership was graded lessons, observations. What a load of absolute rubbish, you know? So, so the system right from the very top creates it. Hmm. Um, and then we create it on smaller scales. So, so it's always just kind of, you know, I have I have a list of leadership of, of things. <laughs> just to, this comes back. Um, yeah, so that's, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's fantastic. And like you said, it, obviously you go into more detail in your book as well. And so I'd encourage leaders to to find out more about that and uh, and see more about what you talk about with that there. Okay, let's go on to the second of your primary three, and this, like you mentioned, goes on quite nicely from the one that you just talked about, uh, and that is about <laughs> needing to to simplify what we do. Uh, in uh, in what we do in primary education, do you want to first talk about why this is such so important to you? Well, whereas leadership is quite often external, it comes from outside, it comes from others. Simplifying, overcomplicating things often. Well, so I'm certainly guilty of this. It was coming for me, you know. I, I am actually guilty. I still to this day shudder when I say this um, of writing a policy on policies. It's still just you know we create certainly in education i see it in teachers i see it in new teachers i see it in experienced teachers and i see it a lot in leaders where we we have an idea we have and we forget what the purpose is and, and we get bogged down assessment is classic for this where we just create the kind of workload that, that we just don't, we, we, you know, I, I, I can remember kind of some of the assessments that would happen in the early years, foundation stage, like 10 years ago. You know, when you actually worked out, I think I worked out there was something like 33,000 individual assessments needed to make. We overcomplicate things. And actually that has a huge impact on my third one. 
um, as well that I'll be doing later on. They kind of all link in um, because actually this, you know, teaching is a tough job to get right, as we know. Um, and then there's usually lots of contextual things that, that are added in and overcomplicating the systems we have you know particularly for teachers where they will feel powerless you know as a leader i have a responsibility for my teachers there's a phrase that that, that means again the, the primary head kind of came out with which is you know often people say you do it for the children you do it for the children and i've seen leaders say we're doing it for the children as they stab the backs of teachers at mm-hmm. that point you know? whereas actually if you do it for your teachers as a leader and your teachers are happy with what's happening and everybody knows what, and they can do it and they feel they can do their job, then you're doing it for the children. You know, it, it's that, that, that it's a quicker way of getting what, what you need to do. So, um, you know, and, and, and my current context, it has to be like that. You know, I'm, I'm in a school, a really large school. I've got over 550 pupils. It's a zero to 11 um, provision. So I have, you know, babies as young as four months on my site. I have a 50 place special school, I have 110 staff. I could create monsters um, which could actually break me and the school quite quickly. I've been there for nearly 10 years, the longest I've been in the school actually. Um, and I think every year I strip things back to, to make them robust. But, you know, it's like the old Ron Seal, isn't it? It does exactly what it says on the tin. You know, if we have a, a behaviour policy, why is it 15 pages long, of which most people don't read? Um, can we get things on two sides and their operation there? You know? And I start, the classic example of oversimplifying, and I see this a lot, whenever I used to go into schools that were in trouble or things had gone wrong, uh, particularly around behaviour, I would talk to the children. The first thing I'd do was talk to the children about, well, you know, what are the expectations and behaviour? What are the rules, you know, that are here? And you'd get all sorts, you know. You can't run, don't stand, don't speak, don't do this. Don't. And then I'd talk to the teachers and I'd get a similar thing. And I'd suddenly realise nobody really knows what the rules are. Um, I only have three rules in my school. And actually those three rules also kind of impinge on the vision of the school as well. And it's be kind, be safe, be responsible. And I can pretty much, whether it's a, a, a nursery child or a year six child, around behaviours and rewards, I can kind of use that language um, and develop it all the time. You know, it, it, you know, it, it, and that's how it should be, particularly when you're, you're running an organisation, I think, for a leader where you've got to try and get everybody, uh, you know, speaking the same language as such and understanding the same ways. Because um, if you don't, then you start to have a lack of continuity, a, la- a lack of consistency. And when you get a lack of consistency in the school, then you can have all sorts of trouble. You know. So, so for me, it's a big part of leadership. But I think it's the same for teachers. I see teachers quite often when I sit down, they go, I can't cope, I can't cope. I've got so much, I've got so many things. There's too much, there's too much. And then when you go through that list... I can say, well, you don't need to do, you don't have to do that. You want to do it. I know, and it's great that you want to double back that display and make it silhouetted and make it look fantastic and the children will love it. But actually, you've got parents evening in two weeks and you still don't know about the X one. You know, it's about prioritising as well and, and, and knowing what it is. Again, it's a bit like the, the first one, really, it leads down, but it's about how we strip away it's the processes that we do. Um, and I, I, I've just done it more and more. 
um, uh, over the years. The, my, my big bugbear now, the one that I'm really working on now, is performance management. It's just, it's. I've been doing it for twenty years. I've thirty years of the process. What's its purpose if it does not work with the teachers that you're working with, so that they can see themselves improving? Yeah, yeah. You know? And I can remember back in the days of numerical, you know, numerical targets of you've got to have eighty percent children working expected, and all this rubbish that we've done over the years, usually led by a fear of Ofsted or led by a, you know, a and and and, and I, uh, there's another chapter in the book that I write about. Where well, the last chapter is about rebellious leadership, um, and and that's not you know I've, I've kind of phrased it as you know kind of uh, that punk attitude, but in a very positive sort of way of creativity, um, self belief, and understanding your context and who you are and who you want to be, uh, as, as either a teacher or as a school leader. Um, and and it's yeah, it, to me, it's really important that we do not let ever people dictate. I talked about this yesterday, and um, I, I was being interviewed about Ofsted, and as I started speaking, I suddenly realised that I was talking about the fact that that, that Ofsted was a London centric approach, mm. and I'm a rural school out on the Somerset levels. Um, you know. There are things that happen in my school that don't happen anywhere else. I have to have an end set on the Friday before Glastonbury because most of my community are there. I, I only end up with 40% attendance on that day. You know, we have to do things that people go, well, that's, you know, they shouldn't, they shouldn't take the children. They do. Okay. It, it's, it's, they work there. They, 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 they have access. They do all sorts of things. Um, you know, it's, it's being brave enough to make decisions around that. Um, rather than thinking oh what do i do to get around that and you create complications that usually then at some point break down the, the worst ones leaders make quite often it, and i do it i've done it and it's really hard not to do is you'll make a concession for one person because they've got a very they're either a very vexatious complainant or something and you think oh my life's easier i'll just do what they want me to do mm. you know yes we don't we change our children's classrooms every year so children don't stay in the same classroom we do this because when we talk to our secondary school it really helps children as they go through school that then they're just not in the same primary class at the time that, 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 that they don't take it for granted and when they get to secondary uh, you know the feedback we get is that they settle in well uh, because of that so we've done it for years but every now and then the parents they're not with their friends and the line as well you know classroom learning is not about friendships because they're a class together you know it's about learning new relationships it's about all those things at playtime lunchtime they can go and see their friends if, that, if that's what they want to do and then you'll get a very vexatious person with them. and particularly recently it's things like well-being actually you're you're now impacting on their mental health by not having them with people in the class and so, so. and if you make a concession there then suddenly before you know you'll have six other parents because they all talk all say well, no, it's about my child, you know, and you you start off with a rule and then by breaking that simple rule, you've overcomplicated it. You know, mm. you've made it much more difficult. And so so I'm forever reviewing the decisions I make before I make them, mm. thinking, am I going to make this more complicated? Um, so, yeah, so that that's uh, something I think a lot about. Um, and I think it's the role of leaders not to make it more difficult and I see sometimes see I look at 
teachers on on Twitter who say things about the, their workload and what they have to do, and I just think, well, why? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't make any difference. I've worked in schools in special measures. I've worked in schools with you know with twenty nine percent combined English maths. You know, I've gone into those schools, and actually, quite often, the solutions are really, really simple. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not that doesn't mean they're easy to implement and and maintain and sustain but the answers are simple yeah um, what yeah. we try to do in education is is make it you know and i'm guilty of this trying to make it look like i'm some you know that my job's only you know it's incredibly complex and difficult and people don't understand what, what it is my, my dad used to always say to me you know i've known about you know oh it's so hard at the moment oh it's so tough and he'll say you know you don't have to get up at five o'clock in the morning in the middle of february to you know to, to, to kind of empty the bins in in the freezing cold you know but everybody's job's difficult Brian. you know and yeah you know and, and and so i think it's the job of a leader because if it is simple and people understand it and it, of course it has to have an impact it has to you know has to has to work then then it's easy to implement if it's Mm. not you start to get into to to trouble um yeah so so i i I don't i'm not successful you know uh, any of my teachers my school what's he talking about (laughs) (laughs) you know i i know that they would know that we try to we're we're, you know a really good example of the things we've done recently is we if we need to do training with with our staff we've got 108 staff in the school it's a big school um it's it could be really complicated. Just just take safeguarding training at the beginning of the year. Um, if four people can't make the first inset, I'm already having to do mop up and follow up as for that. So it's it, I'm always thinking around um, how we use our time to allow teachers to do what they need to do, um, rather than think, oh, it'd be really nice if we did this training program. No, we don't need to. It's not. It's not a priority. It's not what we do. In fact, I'd rather use that time for teachers who are feeling under pressure at the moment to mark their books. Mm. Uh, you know, it's 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 simplifying it for the core purpose. It's not just simplifying for the sake of simplifying. It's simplifying it so that the, the things that you try are trying to do can be done. Absolutely. And I think, like you said, from the very start, these principles apply to leaders, they apply to teachers in their role, because ultimately teachers are leaders in their classroom. It's making those things that we need to do simpler so then actually they work, because if they are not simplified, then that's when the, they, the, the issues and the challenges and the inconsistencies. Well, my, my, yeah, my biggest one for school leaders, and I, I remember writing a 45-page school development plan. <laughs> I have five priorities this year. I can put it on two sides. My governors will know what it is, but my teachers will know what they are. And they're all priorities that absolutely matter to us. You know, they're simple priorities. They're not about new programs or new schemes. They're about improving attendance in key areas. They're about reducing exclusions in key areas. You know, it's, it's, it's that element of getting everybody together. And I think it's really hard to lead well if you can get everybody else in line with what you, no matter what your priorities are. And everyone's doing it, it you know, it, it works. I, I kind of realize this, and I see it in programs. People say this is a better way of teaching. The point of teaching is if everybody's doing it in your school and subscribing to it and believing it, it'll have an impact, whatever the program is, even if it's not the best one, because you've got, you know, you've, you've got an understanding in your establishment of how it works. 
um yeah so yeah that would definitely be Absolutely no, and that's such a great one. And then, like you say, we're going to we'll go on to the final of your primary three, which again links so well. And they, we often find when we do our primary threes with the guests, it always seems to have a link, even if they don't mean it to. Uh, but the third uh, of the primary three that we want to talk about is uh, looking after yourself. So, obviously, we know why this is important. But do you want to talk about why this is maybe sometimes a challenge for us in this in education? Uh, yes, I, I think. I'll talk it. I'll talk about it from a head teacher perspective. Hmm. I think head teachers are possibly. Um, a, 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 this is. I, I didn't come up with this. I'm not taking credit because this is a conversation with a with a colleague this week because I was asking this question, and he said to me, "Head teachers are the, possibly the most accessible civil servants in the country, hmm. and therefore parents can really people can really tell you what they think about what's going on. You know, they have." They have such such access to you. Um, your teachers have access to you. You're, you're so accessible, and I think because of that, you soak up so much. And I think that's definitely been. You know, I've definitely seen a rise in the stresses of, in society, certainly over the last five, six, seven years, possibly ten years. I'd say actually, um, in which you are picking up things that. They're really difficult to handle with, you know, from 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 society, from health, um, and and at the moment, I think there is a real anger out there. Um, I rarely get complaints in my school, you know, and I'm touching wood at the moment, but I think I've had more already this year at the beginning, even before we started, um, about things than ever before, and I think there's a sense, and therefore, I think for, for teachers. It starts with teaching because you have those uh, parents who, 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 you know, they want the best for their child. Um, I remember when I first started as a teacher in my first year, uh, I, a, a child got into a fight in my class and I kept him in at break time. And he did the classic. He went straight out and told his dad, who was a bouncer in Bristol, um, who was six foot four. And, and a man with anger issues, I remember really well. Um, and he went out and told him that it was unfair because he didn't start it. And his dad came storming in. And I won't, I, I say the exact words he says in, in my thing, but it, was, it, it basically involved that he was going to break both my arms. Um, and I remember I was at a year three class and I remember thinking, react, uh, can we talk about it? And I sat down on this little year three, you know, chair and now those moments of stress where you respond, and it was all fine, you know, and, and we could work it round. And, and but it's those moments of stress where you feel really, and and it's serious as well. And I think this is the point. We, I, I say I used to kind of roll my eyes a little bit about six, seven years ago about well-being. It was like oh, terrible baths and soft music, and everyone's got to do yoga in an inset, and it make me go, oh, oh, just this is not. So when I say about well-being, it's it's a personal thing. Um, and it's probably one of those things that we, we we need to empower ourselves to control and not feel that it's somebody else's mm. responsibility all the time. The, the organisations and schools have a massive responsibility. I'm not saying they don't, but actually to really tackle it, we, we need to take some responsibility for it ourselves. Um, and that means we might have to make some really tough decisions. You know, I've sat with head teachers where I've actually said to them, you're right, you shouldn't be doing this job, actually, because look at the, look, look at what's happening. 
Um, and it's the same with teachers as well. I would, you know, I, I would, I, I don't want people to, to not be happy in the work that, that they're doing. Um, but when your livelihoods are tied up in it, your your family, your mortgage, and everything else, it's extremely difficult. So, so I, I, I'm, I'm thinking more and more um, about that. Maybe because I'm getting closer and closer to retirement age. <laughs> I did that article. I think of, uh, of, I think it was a, almost a year ago where I I told someone from the Observer that they, they, I'd done a, they'd done an interview in my school and I had said something like the stress for headship, headship so much now that I'm leaving. And what I was kind of saying is that I'm thinking more and more of moving away from frontline headship. I've been doing it for twenty years. I'm not leaving the profession. I'm just I don't I don't want to be an Ofsted inspector. That would actually be worse. Uh, you know I I, I don't um, I don't even think I'll be that comfortable being a consultant. And that's not just in consultants. I, I think I still want to be involved working directly in schools. Um, but I, I also are terrified that that lack of involvement I have would will actually also have the opposite effect be detrimental to my work I think people think that but um I've interviewed a lot of head teachers and I did some for the books as well that leave and one likened it to having pins removed from their hand and they can now feel <laughs> crumbs, you know numbing that you do and that's danger you numb yourself to 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 some of the awful things that you're you're privy to or you know certainly around ch- uh, child protection issues or the stresses of complaints um i don't think s- teachers or head teachers are as protected as they should be mm. um i don't know if you picked it up this week um the article about south korea teachers or what's going on in south korea did you oh hear no that? i'm not seeing that one now no you know um where um the pressure put on by parents on teachers is so much that a teacher committed suicide i'm mm. um, a little bit kind of those are parallel to the Ruth Perry uh, mm. Ofsted story. And, you know, teachers in, in South Korea are really kind of, you know, concerned about this because parents have such power and supposedly behaviour in South Korean uh, schools are really challenging because the children think, well, I'll just get my, my, my particularly in affluent areas, richer parents, you know, i just get my parents in and they'll say you're not doing your job properly. And particularly for newer teachers, that's really destructive. And I really worry about new head teachers, head teachers in their first three years. I'm I'm five years and seven months since my last Ofsted. I've had about 14, 15 Ofsteds and they've all been positive experiences. Well, only one's been a negative experience. And that was just because of a, it had nothing to do with the experience. It had the fact that I, I wrote about it in called Gone in 60 sex, Seconds, where I was having an outstanding um, uh, inspection. And then about 12 o'clock, I got a, a phone call to say, uh, could you come over? And I sat down and they said, oh, I'm sorry, it's going to be all right. What? How? And this is based on the fact we, um, that we hadn't sent a letter to Ofsted to tell them that the supervisor at the off-site nursery um, had changed. That's the reason. So, but all my other experiences with Ofsted have been really, really positive. You know, you know, I've even had the you know, the journey from an RI to an outstanding school. Um, so, so, but the stress for a new teacher, the stress for me this year, it's probably been my last one. It's just ridiculous, mm-hmm. you know. Even with twenty years' experience, I start the book with um, 
I kind of felt the, the, that feeling, and I still get it now. You know that I got it in the first year, and you get it for it. So the it's based on the imposter syndrome element of, and it's the football chant of you don't know what you're doing, you don't know what you're doing. You know that they shout at the referee when they make a decision, even if it is right. Um, and I can't second guess Ofsted. I don't do anything for Ofsted, but I can't second guess the experience this time around because of the myths and legends around all the other bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. I, and it genuinely makes me think, if I was a head teacher two years into my career, enjoying the job, finding it challenging, but enjoying the job, about to face an Ofsted, that's just, oh, it's just, just uh, really, yeah. And I don't see in my job, and I don't know, you know whether you hear this yourself, but I don't see people happily going, yeah, I can't wait to be ahead. I'm, yeah. I've just started teaching. There's my, there's my, point i want to be a head teacher in school mm-hmm. i don't hear that language i don't hear it from teachers in fact i don't even hear teachers saying that they'd like to be a deputy head teacher mm-hmm. um and it really worries me where where this the education system's going you know yeah. where it will end up and that's why well, that's why like you say it's so important that we take that time for ourselves we look at our well-being we look at how you know in our day-to-day lives um we're making sure that we um look after ourselves and do things that will support us through difficult times isn't it yeah and it's the responsibility of leaders for, for their staff hmm. but at the same time you know I, I i we have to make tough decisions we have to make decisions that you i can't i, I again my dad used to always say this he was a supervisor in a factory and he would always say you can't please everybody you know you know with 108 staff i know any decision i even the best decisions will have outliers who do not like those decisions. Mm-hmm. They do not look work for them. I've got a really complex thing in my schools because we open all year round. We only close for one week of the year. Um, I have um, all year round contracts as well for running, so people can take holiday, you know, Glastonbury and and, uh, and ever points. That's a real, you know, that's that can be so challenging. You know, when you've you've got a staff shortage and five people are going off on holidays, like oh please. Particularly at the moment where, you know, recruiting staff is so, so difficult. So, yeah, it, it, it's it's something that, that we talk about a lot in education. Yeah. Um, I read a lot, but I, I genuinely feel, for me, my, my network is I've got some fantastic educational friends um, and they are brutally honest in our conversations with each other, you know. Um, they, 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 you know, they fire me down left, right, and center. So I, I can never get above my station around them. Um, I have a very, you know, a strong family network. I, I make sure my health is good because my health has been impacted by the job in the past. And it is making decisions around, around that, but also knowing that I, I will have to walk away from the job mm. if my health, you know, as hard as that will be. And what's really interesting is I talk to a lot of heads that do do that process and before they do it it just seems like it's the most terrifying things that you know money mortgage everything i talked to them about six months later n- nine times out of ten of the happiest people in the world <laughs> so <laughs> i think it's the fear of the unknown isn't it uh, but why do we continue doing something that we don't enjoy um yeah, but no, like like you say, it's uh, it's one of those things to kind of reflect on. And if 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 someone listening to the podcast is 
unhappy at the moment. It's looking at, well, something needs to then change, whether that's a change of setting, a change of responsibility, or even, like you say, a change away from what you're doing at that moment. It's whatever that needs to be for that person. That's the most important thing. And I think that's such a really key point uh, to make as we as we kind of call, as we kind of um, start to bring this toward a close. But I know it's a really, a really reflective point. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Brian. Really appreciate that. And just kind of um, the uh, the pa- things you're passionate about are just really powerful. Uh, again, for leaders and for teachers, how uh, we can apply that uh, to make sure that we make things simple. Uh, we we get rid of the stuff that's extra external things. We focus on the things that really matter. We make sure that we are simplifying things and we look after ourselves. I think they're really powerful uh, principles for, for anyone listening. Uh, as we kind of bring this to the close, uh, who do you recommend for a future interview on this podcast? <laughs> um, there's so many people out there. I, I, this, this person won't thank me for this, but I, I would recommend the primary head. Um, I would recommend... He, he, he has a very funny take on education. He hasn't done his... Um, if anybody's seen the Brain Dead... Uh, podcast he hasn't done them for some time but i would revisit them he has a kind of um and you know he he runs a huge school a four four form entry school so it, it's quite interesting um you know from that so i would definitely whether he whether he thank you for that i don't know um possibly not um you know yeah there's so many people out there that, that i would love to sit around and, and chat to how roberts i would is i always love talking to how um yeah so uh but yeah i would i would say the primary head perfect that's fantastic and then finally just to finish off this podcast uh today what is for you the best thing about being in primary education the best thing um i'm gonna be really really honest actually and i'm not gonna you know get caught up into the more I, I love i love my job i, I genuinely love my job um, I'm a head teacher. I'm paid really well. I'm really happy with the way that I'm paid as a head teacher. I've just had six weeks holiday in which I've had a fantastic time. I went to Croatia. It was amazing. Um, but actually, as I'm getting closer to thinking about retirement, the thing that scares me the most is that I will miss being able to absolutely do something with my life that's really worthwhile, mm. you know, Sometimes it doesn't feel like the things I'm doing are having the impact I want. The children are still vulnerable. The children are still ha- having a difficult time. But actually, throughout my career, I can see that, I, that I've been part. It's not just all about myself. We have a saying in my, in my school. I've got a little mini Oscar on my thing because my business magic forever keeps saying, it's not about you. And so she got me an all about me um, Oscar. Um, but, you know, you're part of making decisions um for communities that, that really matter um so yeah you know so, so i'm not gonna lie I, I enjoy the holidays i enjoy the pay um i enjoy the fact that it's never the same um 30 years i've never been bored when i worked in a factory i'd be looking at the clock thinking the day is right to end and it's 10 o'clock and i think i'm worried the day's hardly started um but actually you do things um that that uh, that make huge differences mm. and um you know and as you've been in and i've been in it for 30 years every now and then you get that incredible moment it's in the book where someone that you've had an impact on you know meets you in the street you know and, and says something to you that makes you feel like okay this is a career worthwhile you know this is this mm. is i'm glad i did that um 
so yeah deep down I, I'm lucky to be a head teacher um, because you know as you know from the beginning of this I it wasn't a career that 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 that, that, that I I, would, I I certainly thought that I'd be doing when I was at school mm-hmm. um so uh yeah yeah I think that would be my best That's thing Thank you so much, Brian. Really appreciate you having it on. And thank you so much for the uh, the things you shared. Thank you for joining Primary Education Voices. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, ma'am. Well, wasn't that another fantastic episode? Brian shared very openly and honestly about his insights into primary education. Uh, and I just thought it was just wonderful just to hear at the end of the day, what he feels is really important in primary education for teachers and leaders to help them to be the best that they can be uh, in, in the roles that they play, the the highly influential and um, important roles that they play. I loved how at the end, when he shared about what he loved, what was the best thing about primary education, there was a list of things there. But one of them that stood out to me was the fact that when he eventually does um, come to the end of his time uh, in primary education, he'll miss having a role that really matters, that has such an impact for the good of, of so many people. And I just thought it was a really interesting and powerful thought right at the end there, as well as, you know, all the things that he said through the interview. Uh, his primary three flow together wonderfully, uh, as they often seem to. First of all, talking about trying to avoid leadership. And um, whilst, of course, this is a um, a kind of a, a pun, as he, as he uh, uses in his book, uh, is such a really important principle, one that applies to leaders and teachers, uh, I think, in in the sense that, we need to make sure that we avoid trying to create or trying to get bogged down with a number of the things that we have to deal with, whether it's as leaders or teachers. Leaders receiving that from, you know, outside of the school and teachers receiving that from potentially the leaders in their school, but also that's based on the things that go on for outside the school too. Uh, and I think that it's making sure that we have the distractions that do occur in our profession, keeping us from our, uh, not letting the, those distractions keep us from our core purposes. Uh, I think that's just such a great uh, insight. And of course, the very first chapter of his book, as he mentions in the chat. So, um, you know, you can dive, delve more into that discussion that he has there uh, in the book. Uh, then he talked about the importance of simplifying things and how once we kind of have avoided the things that come from external sources, uh, which can distract us, making sure we don't get distracted from our purpose in trying to overcomplicate things in the classroom. I just think that's a really important thing about how the systems and the things that we implement in our classrooms and in schools, making sure that they are clear and, pre- and precise and concise for children and if we're a leader in the school for the staff. I just think, and parents, of course, all stakeholders that um, you know are, have a role to play in the education of children. I think that's just such an important thing, uh, that, as uh, Brian said. And then, of course, looking after ourselves. And as he said, um, you know, we talked we've, we've talked about well-being and about uh, mental health and the importance of those things. And I don't want to make this message sound too glazed over because we have discussed it a number of times before on the podcast. But the importance of well-being and mental health is is so key. Uh, and I don't think we can raise it enough, to be honest. Um, and I like, I think Brian's point about what he said was interesting that, you know, we've had previous guests on the podcast talk about, you know, before you leave the profession, make sure you, you know, try teaching in a, in a new year, try taking on a different responsibility, try moving school, moving setting that can really help, um, you know, clear your mind and see how things are not necessarily as, as negative as as perhaps we're perceiving them to be at that time. But actually, sometimes after we've done all those things, 
taking a step back from education, perhaps if we need to, um, and if it's impacting our mental health and our family and, and all those things, then it's so important that we make sure we look after ourselves. Uh, and so, I, and you know, who am I to 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 say that is not correct? You know, Brian has had a number of years' experience in primary education. I think that's such an important thing to reflect on and think how. Uh, can we support those around us who are maybe struggling to maybe not necessarily get to that point to begin with, but if it is something that they are struggling with, help support them with whatever decision they need to make with that. I just think it's such a really important thing. I myself have uh, obviously trained with a number of um, teachers um, or, you know, early, well, NQTs as we were at the time, but early career teachers as they're called now. Um, and a number of them have left the profession. Um, and people who I would have you know, who were so enthusiastic and so passionate about it. You know, it's such a shame. But the most important thing is that they look after themselves. And I think that is such a powerful thing, a message for Brian to help us reflect on. So thank you so much, Brian, for jo joining us on the podcast. Uh, if there's any, uh, well, before we can before we finish, please do uh, buy the book, uh, pre-order, as you heard, hopefully in the message uh, that I put together at the start of the podcast. Uh, I just love uh, to get that out and to have you learn from the wonderful voices that we've had previously on the podcast, delve deeper into what they wanted to share. Uh, and of course, please leave a review of this podcast. It would really help get the word out. Uh, please join us for another primary education voice and join us again next time when we'll meet another inspirational educator.